Mike, I'm so tired, but I don't want to have an energy drink or a cup of coffee because I fear the after effects. What if I told you there was something more effective out there than energy drinks when it comes to focus and mental performance, and it doesn't come with jitters, energy crashes, or anything related to those side effects of caffeine. Amazing flavors such as pineapple and mango, blueberry verdana, and one of my favorites, raspberry and mint. Now, I've actually had nootropics. I take these when I'm feeling a little bit low, and I just need that energy boost for an afternoon meeting. Tell you what, Steve, they do the trick. This week, we are sponsored by Bright Drinks. Bright make a wonderful new drink for better focus, better concentration, alertness with nothing artificial. Nootropics helps to improve focus and productivity without the typical side effects of caffeine alone. You can discover it on brightdrinks.com, Sainsbury's and many more. Hello and welcome to our most festive of our festive specials. This one is coming to you on the very precipice of Christmas. So welcome to the Bad Scripts podcast presents The Last Resort. And the most festive person I know is joining us as he does every week. Please jingle your bells and get your sleighs a rocking for the one and only Mr. Mike Garlier. Hello, Steve. Hello. So, look, look, I just have to, listening to your introduction there, and you're saying we're stood on the precipice. Are we looking down on Christmas? Is Christmas a, a, a fall? I mean, what do you mean by that? I mean, it, it, it's a sledge ride of fun into Christmas. You know, we slide in like we slide into the DMs. Well, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Does it feel like Christmas? Because I don't know about anybody else, but whenever you talk to someone and they go, it doesn't, you know, it just, it doesn't feel like Christmas. And I'm like, well, what does Christmas feel like? And they went, well, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it. You never get an answer to that. But Steve, to to you, does it feel like Christmas? Yes, it does. This year, more than any, you know, and we're not going to go into what's going on around the world and and uh, and all of that stuff, because uh, that's this isn't the place for that. But for me, Christmas has come this year and I've actually been pretty Christmassy. And, and that isn't something that normally happens. I'm normally a grump until about this time and then it kicks in. But you know what? For December, I've been very much of the mind that, you know what, with everything that's going off in the world, let's have a bit of fun. Let's have some good time and let's celebrate the great things about this year. Now I'm really intrigued, Steve. What does Christmassy Steve mean? What what does that look like? Well, it, it means that there will be um, there will be tiny tiny baubles hanging in my beard, maybe some glitter, festive food and drinks at home. The house is adorned with with multiple lights. You know, with the, it just feels like a a warm and happy place to be at home. No, it feels like a horror story seeing you running up to anyone with baubles and glitter in your extremely blonde beard, you Christmas Krampus, you. You, you say it's extremely blonde. I think most of that is grey now, so <laughs> apologies. <laughs> that uh, I, It is a bit more graceful when you're fair-haired like I am, but, uh, but there we True. go. Well, look, let, let me just say this, Steve. On, on the eve of Christmas, the eve-eve of Christmas, as we are right now, Merry Christmas, my special friend. Merry Christmas to you too. And Merry Christmas to everybody out there listening. And you know who I think we need to wish a really happy Christmas to? 
Santa Claus, he never gets wished Happy Christmas. I think he does. I always, I always say Happy Christmas to him when I speak to him. But um, no, I, I think our characters, because as we left them in the last episode, <coughs> segue, um, they had basically returned from their trip down south to see Sam. Um, Adam had had his uh, conversations with with Craig, and he's obviously come to conclusions about what's going on there. Uh, he's split with Sam and he's thrown his thing in the sea. He, he literally threw his toys out of the pram, didn't he, by, by throwing, throwing that in the sea. I, you know, and you're right, it's... Uh, you know, we had to take it. It's quite dramatic for, for us. I think it, we had to take it in that direction. We had to play it out the way it played out. We had to play it out the way it played out. Okay. Well, I tell you what we can do then. Let's get into the script. Interior, camp resort, dance studio, morning. Robin and Dan are painting at either end of the studio. Robin is listening to his Walkman and boogieing to some pop songs, whereas Dan looks perplexed and deep in thought. Karen enters carrying a plate of sandwiches. She walks towards Dan, her high heels echoing around the vast space as she clips towards him. Dan, upon hearing this, turns to face her. All right, boys, doing a grand old job here. I bought you some grub. Lovely. What you got? Oh, turkey and stuffing. Couple of turkey curry baps and a nut roast sarni. Leftovers from the day, you know. I'd get them down here now before Wayne spots them, though. You know what he'd like. Dan drops his brush and walks over to Karen, wiping his paint covered hands down his white overall. He takes the sandwich and greedily eats it. Robin is still unaware as Karen observes Dan quietly eating away. Everything all right, love? Dan just nods his head. You're eating all right. Uh, mm, this is this is bloody lovely. Mm, there's only so much you can do with bacon. Gets a bit samey after a while, you know. Karen looks a bit confused, but shrugs it off. She looks around. Where, where's Adam? Uh, he's having a poo. It must be a big one, then. He's not been around for days. Don't think I haven't noticed. Uh, well, um, he's got, like, a dicky tummy and stuff, you know, proper explosive. Robin notices Karen and takes his headphones off to see the food and immediately comes over. Oh, my angel Karen, you bought food. I'm starving. Ugh, what the hell is that? I mean, no offence, Karen. It's my nut roast veggie option. Is it? Well, I normally do like the taste of nuts in my mouth, but that is ugh, rancid. Dan almost chokes on his curry bap and sniggers. <laughs> nuts. <laughs> oh, it's turkey and them ones. Meat, even better. I need to clean up and get a drink. I'll be, I'll be back in a mo. Uh, Dan, don't eat all the good ones. Robin leaves. Dan and Karen stand in silence for a few moments. So, you going to tell me what's going on then? Well, uh, we're, we're painting. Should be done soon. Dan, love, I might be daft, but I'm not stupid. I'll always have your back when you're honest. 
But I don't like liars, Dan sighs. I don't want me mate getting into trouble. It's me, Dan. He's a mess. He hadn't left the chalet in days, not washed or anything. He sat playing computer games on the couch, stinking the place right up. Is this about Sam? Yeah. They broke up just before Christmas. Took it really hard. How Sam? I don't know. He threw his phone in the sea when he did it. Isn't isn't Donna mates with her? Yeah. I don't know anything about that. Too busy trying to get Adam over it. That's why we've been covering for him. He, he's not been fit in state to do this. He won't fire him with you or, or tell Wayne. Karen looks deep in thought. It'll stay between us. But Mark and that are coming back in from tomorrow. They'll notice, so he's going to have to pull his finger out. Ah, oh, cheers, Kaza. I'll talk to him. How are you and Donna doing? Oh, great, great. I mean, we talk loads every day. I mean, we we even tried that um that phone sex. It wasn't the same, though. Plus, the phone box isn't that private, and, you know, some right weirdos out there. Oh, uh, yeah, I can imagine. Long-distance relationships are always hard. Trust me, I've been here long enough to know that most of them fail. Well, she's not that far away. I mean, only 90 minutes, so more like middle distance. I just I just wish I could see her, you know, even just for a little bit. They smile at each other, and Karen sits up looking like she has an idea. Robin enters and quietly resumes eating. Done a good job painting this place. I like it. I like it. It's paediatric. What? You know, like peaceful, chills you out. Oh, you mean uh, therapeutical? Dan nods his head. Robin rolls his eyes and shakes his head. Can I trust you, Dan? Of course. I'm Dan the man, the man that can. Okay. I'm going to do you a favour, but it has to stay between us. I'll lend you my car to go and see Donna. Really? Yeah, but you'll need to be back early tomorrow and the two of you will have to get Adam back into work. That's the deal. Deal. What car you got? Oh, it's a classic. Rover Metro. Felicity. Means a lot to me, so take care of her, right? I, I will. I, I promise, Kaza. You're like an angel. Just don't let me down. I'll go get my key for you. Karen stands up and walks to the door before turning. Oh, and make sure that stinking chalet is cleaned spick and span. No excuses. A person enters the scene and stands behind Karen. Karen sees this person, smiles and hugs before walking her into the dance studio. Oh, boys, let me introduce you to the most amazing girl in the world. This is my niece, Kirsty. Kirsty waves and smiles. Both Robin and Dan wave back. This is Dan and Robin, their camp coach, you know. Hi, guys. All right, love. Kirsty goes to uni. First in the family, actually. We're all dead proud of her. She works here to help out from time to time, you know. Uh, Auntie Karen, I've just finished cleaning the office. There was a lot of old me and food under one of them desks. <laughs> no prizes for guessing who that is. What would you like me to do next? Come on, I'll show you to the chalet block. That's next on the to-do list. They both leave the studio. I'm going to see Donna. <laughs> You're mental. 
<laughs> mental. Mental that she would give you her car. I mean, it, it's you. Hey, I'm a great driver, man. First taught by my mate Damo when I was eight. Do you even know if Donna is available? That one under the Sam situation, do you? Uh, uh, good, good point. I'm off to the phone box. Give her a call right now. Have fun. Dan leaves the studio. All right. Cheers. Guess I'm the one babysitting misery guts then. Robin eyes up the nut sandwiches, then shakes his head, putting his headphones on and resuming his painting. Oh, mate, well done. That was it. You know, when you're writing, you don't realise, right, that the characters, that, I mean, the characters are there for a reason, but they're all your characters. And the fact that I had one line and you nearly started laughing and I had to hold it together that entire scene, that's really unfair. Because when you were saying something to Karen, I was literally trying not to laugh. I was like biting my fist. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad that when I'm reading this, I can't see your face in the corner because that would genuinely be difficult for me, I think, if I... I was literally biting my fist, Steve, trying not to laugh. That was was quite funny. Some funny lines in there. And well done, by the way, for, for you're doing the narration, you're doing all three characters... That's uh, that that you know that's range, Steve. That's range, darling. One one tries, dear. One tries. Uh, well, thank you very much for that, Mike. And now we can, I suppose, proceed on. Interior, camp resort chalet. Morning. We enter the chalet and move to the living room. There is debris everywhere: discarded plastic bottles, food containers, and a lot of white tissues. The duvet is draped across the sofa and we can hear the distinct sound of a computer game coming out of the TV. We then see Adam, sat motionless and staring lifelessly at the screen. His hair is a mess, his white t-shirt is yellowing with unknown stains and wisps of hair sprout sporadically out of his face. Adam pauses the game and slowly stands up, tissues raining down from his crotch area and landing on the floor. He looks around, searching for something lifts up his duvet and finds his glass, picking it up. He walks into the kitchenette and turns on the tap, filling his glass and begins taking a gulp. He glances over and sees the packaging for Mr Porky's bacon bits, almost choking on his water. He bursts into tears. Dan enters the chalet. Adam looks over at the door. (laughs) It's Mr Porky's! (laughs) Oh, fuck. I meant to get rid of that. Dan runs to the kitchenette, grabs the bacon bits and launches them into the bin. See, it's all gone now, mate. Dan awkwardly shakes Adam's shoulder. Adam is still sobbing. Hey, uh, come on, you've got to pull yourself together. I I can't. (laughs) It hurts too much. I, I know, I, I know, mate. You don't know. You don't know how I feel. I, I do. You don't. I, I fucking do. Listen, you got to stop this shit, Adam, right? You're going to get yourself fired if you don't. This seems to get through to Adam, who manages to stop sniffling. What do you mean? Karen's noticed. She knows. Robin enters the chalet. I looks over at the both of them stood in the kitchenette. Another episode? Dan nods his head. Listen, it's absolutely disgusting in here. There's no excuse. I've been through some bad breakups, but it didn't give me permission to live like this. Adam, you stink. Like, 
really, really bad. Adam looks down at the floor. Dan softens a bit. We're here for you, mate. Always. But you've got to help us. It's tough, man. But try and hold it together. You need to be back at work tomorrow. Dan pats him again on the shoulder and walks to his room. It's quiet for a moment until we hear rewind. When the crowd say bolt selector, start playing once again. Robin walks to Adam. What am I going to do, Robin? You're, you're going to get a shower, right? And you're going to clean this place up. Next, you get a good night's sleep in an actual bed. But what about tomorrow? One day at a time, okay? Okay. Listen, uh, <clears throat> uh, you guys fancy, like, you know, a movie tonight or, or something? I'll do anything. I've got a hot date. Uh, what about Pete? What about him? It's been weeks. I'm well over it. Time does heal all, Adam. It'll get easier, okay? Well, who's your date with? Oh, um, do you remember Craig who worked on the hooker duck? He, well, he stays in town. I ran into him at the supermarket. He asked me how. He wants to take me to see that film where the guy from Bill and Ted gets stuck in a computer. Dan reappears with a bag. Ah, I well want to see that. You off somewhere? I've got a take two, mate. Back tomorrow. Hoping this place is gleaming by then. Oh, um, can I get a, a lift into town? Yeah, sure. Great. Give, give me five minutes to put my face on. Robin leaves. I'll see you in the car. Dan walks to the door and turns to Adam. You'll be all right, mate. Dan leaves. Adam walks over to a mirror and stares at his reflection. Bloodshot eyes, tear-stained cheeks and snot running down his chin. He tries to flatten his tousled hair and then sniffs his T-shirt. His facial expression says it all as he walks towards the bathroom. Exterior, Tony's house, afternoon. We come on a nice four-bedroom detached house. (laughs) (laughs) No! What is that there? I no, no. I don't know. When I read it, like I think when you wrote it, I went, we can't write that. But I forgot to say anything. We can't. It's four bedrooms in house. Well, that's going to be a really good shot. Someone's been waiting for a long time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Plenty in the tank, sir. Plenty in the tank. <laughs> oh, suits you. Um, <laughs> we arrive on a... No, that seems just as bad. Okay. No, it's better. That is better. <laughs> we arrive on a nice four-bedroom detached house with a double driveway. Parked is a pristine silver classic Jaguar. The brown Rover Metro comes into view, travelling at a speed never experienced by that make and model before. Tires screeching, Dan somehow manages to do a handbrake turn into the drive, parking next to the Jag perfectly. The engine clicks and clangs as he shuts it down. The front door opens and an excited Donna comes running out. Dan jumps out as Donna jumps upon him. He catches her and they kiss, oblivious to her dad Tony, now blocking the doorway with his muscular frame, looking very unimpressed. Exterior, Camp Holidays, Chalet, Afternoon. Adam appears outside the chalet and squints at the light. 
carrying bin bags and looking in a much better condition, having shaved and showered. He walks the chalet line, making his way to the communal bins. There, he runs into Kirsty, who is also carrying rubbish. Oh, uh, sorry, after you. Adam props open the bin and makes space for Kirsty. Oh, what a gentleman. Thanks. Oh, well, who said chivalry was dead? Oh, not a gentleman, but a knight. Thank you, sir. Bins a lot. Eh? Chevalier, cheval, chivalry, you know, knight. Adam looks confused. Oh, uh, right. Um, so who are you? Didn't think there were uh, many on resort apart from us. Kirsty points to the cleaning cart, and Adam spots the Moo the Cow branded hoover, with the word mover splashed across it. Great! You've got a hoover! No, it's actually a mover. Well, what's the difference? A lame sticker where it used to say Henry. Can I borrow it? I can't do that. I don't know you from Adam. Adam laughs. <laughs> well, this is fate. My name is Adam. Is that your best cheesy line? No, it's true. My name is actually Adam. Nice to meet you. Kirsty. Well, now we've met, can I borrow your hoover? Uh, I mean mover. Kirsty smiles coyly. Well, it depends what you want to do with it. Um, well, I can only think of one use. You filthy git. What? No. The carpets need hoovering, that's all. Well, what if you nick it? I'm responsible for mover, you know. I won't, I promise. I literally stay right over there. Adam points at the chalet line with the door open. Mm, I trust you, Adam. You can, honest. You'll have to prove it first. I will. What do you want me to do? Uh, well, leave your mobile with me. As collateral. Adam looks at the ground. Ah, I don't have one. <sighs> Who doesn't have a mobile these days? Uh, loads of people. I did have one. They pause, staring at the bin. Well, these chalets aren't going to clean themselves. <laughs> See you around, Sir Adam. Kirsty walks towards her cleaning cart. Adam yells after her. What about the, what? Hey, Kirsty. What about the move? The move Hoover. The mover. Kirsty responds without turning around. I'll be over in ten minutes to supervise. Can you remember which one? At the end, six Shelleys down. The only one with the windows open. Got it. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Put the kettle on. Adam smiles, watches her get to the cart. Kirsty turns round and sees Adam staring in her direction. She yells loudly. Stop staring and get on with it. Tea's not going to brew itself. Adam waves and walks towards his chalet, finally feeling the cold. OK, so Steve, uh, a little bit of a short, very quick interlude there. So yeah, it's... what are we making a mover? Well, a mover, I think it's what, a, a, a really poorly branded hoover or, or vacuum cleaner or the vacuum cleaners are available um, that they've stuck a sticker on to make it camp holiday specific. So, um, you know, it's uh, probably not the sort of thing you want to see coming towards you with its single 
sucking udder cleaning up your bedroom. But um, I think more importantly, Adam's met Kirsty. I sense a little bit of chemistry there between the two of them. I, I think that dude bounces back really quickly, doesn't he? He's just, he's suddenly uh, like, he smelled, he smelled another person and gone, oh, hello, a minute. Well, you've got to remember, these guys have had a few weeks of not really seeing anybody, and I think they're genuinely <laughs> a little bit, I don't know, apart from they've been to Sam's and had the party and, and been out with them, but I think, could this be sort of that, that sort of reboundy kind of flirtation that sometimes happens? People can be devastated about relationship, but they try and and cover it with another, try and jump straight back into something else. Well, it reminds me of the of the song "Tears of a Clown." You know, you put up the front, but behind you're hurting. I couldn't have put it by myself. <laughs> Let's move on. Interior: Tony's house, Donna's room, afternoon. The door to Donna's bedroom swings open, and in walks Donna, pulling Dan in by his hand. Dan is carrying his Midland Bank satchel, which he's using as an overnight bag. And this is my room? This room is bigger than my mum's entire flat. You didn't say your dad was loaded. Well, he's, he's done all right. All right? That is a cracker of a jag out there. Think he'll let me drive it? <laughs> no chance. That's his second baby. Probably loves it more than me. Anyway, are we going to waste time talking about my dad? Are you going to get over here and kiss me? I've missed you. Dan smiles and noisily runs over to her. I don't know why he's running in his own... <laughs> inside the <laughs> noisily. house. <laughs> Donna yelps in surprise as he scoops her up and drops her on the bed. Donna laughs and sits up and Dan kisses her passionately. There's a loud knock on the door, which startles Donna and Dan. It immediately opens, and Tony walks in. Dad, you just can't knock and walk straight in. Why not? My house? Uh, a bit of privacy is nice. Sorry, princess. You're right. I was just excited to properly meet my uh, new friend here. Heard so much about the amazing Dan, and now you're here. Uh, nice to meet you, uh, Mr. Um, uh... Tony. Call me Tony. All right, Tony. Nice to meet you. You hungry, Dan? Oh, starving. Tony smiles broadly. Princess, be a darling. Let's take a couple of those crispy pancakes under the grill. You do like crispy pancakes, don't you, Dan? Oh, yeah, I love them. I haven't had them in ages. Beef mince or cheese? Ooh, uh, beef mince. I think I've got a cup of uh, ales lying about too. What say we have a drink and get to know each other a little bit? What do you say? Oh, my two favourite fellas getting on already. I'll be back in a jiff. Donna stands up from the bed and leaves the room. Tony and Dan stand in silence. Dan smiles. Got a uh, banging house here. And a mint malt of Tony as well. Tony suddenly looks like a shark, eyeing up his prey. You must have balls as big as coconuts coming here. Um, yeah, they're pretty big, to be honest with you, but the doctor says they're normal. Mum had me tested. <coughs> Tony looks horrified. I know what you reps are like. Every night, a different girl, right? Well, some of them do, yeah. Are you trying to be funny with me? 
Is it working? Not really. Now listen to me, sunshine. My princess means the world to me. If you were her in any way, disrespect her or take her for granted, you'll have me to answer to. I know people. I'm connected. I won't do anything to Donna. I mean, I mean, I will do stuff, but, you know, not in a bad way. What the hell is that supposed to mean? What are you referring to? Like, treat her to stuff. Buy flowers and presents and that. I like, I like doing that. You know, look after her. All right. All right. Okay. Just see you do. Tony steps closer to Dan. But you put one foot out of line and you'll be answering to these boys. Tony lifts his arms and flexes to reveal large, defined biceps. He's an imposing figure and dwarfs Dan in comparison. Capiche? Quiche? No, capiche. It, it means, do you understand? Dan nods his head. Good. Oh, and waste you in my ass. No funny business. So keep that... Points at Dan's crotch. And your freaky giant balls to yourself. Understand? Dan continues nodding. Good. Tony slaps his shoulder. Good. Dad, we're out of Findus. We can't be. I brought three boxes yesterday. Well, I can't see them. Tony looks at Dan before leaving the room, closing the door behind him. Dan stands, looking a bit bemused. He looks around the room. He walks to Donna's dresser, looking at all the pictures and trinkets. He smiles upon seeing a framed picture of the two of them together in their camp uniforms before they got together. Dan walks over and opens one of the three doors in the room to reveal an ensuite shower room. He gives an approving look before closing the door. The second door leads out of the room, so he opens the third, revealing a closet. Dan blinks, taking in and trying to absorb what he's looking at. His mouth drops open in surprise. He steps towards the closet and we get our first glance to reveal floor-to-ceiling sex toys and bondage gear. Dan nervously reaches out and takes hold of an 18-inch rubber dildo and a selection of anal beads. Sex dolls adorn the corners. As he touches one, it makes a moaning noise, which makes Dan jump. On the back of the door hangs a gimp costume, complete with ball gag, and on the left is a full set of whips, handcuffs, and an assortment of other gadgets associated with dominating and submissive acts. A pink care bear sits in the middle of all the adult paraphernalia. Dan is about to reach out when he hears a noise. You all right up there, Dan? Dan jumps wildly, throwing the large dildo into the closet. The weight of it causes the boxers to start tumbling onto the sex doll, which start moaning in unison before finally settling on the legs of the care bear. Dan slams the door and puts his back up against it. The bedroom door opens and Donna walks in. You all right, babe? Dan looks over at her, reappraising what he sees standing in front of him. Your snack will be ready soon. Five minutes, yeah? Donna walks back up to Dan and leans against him, kissing him, and she rubs her hands over his crotch. It takes Dan a few seconds to register before he steps away and looks out of the window. Donna looks confused. Uh, Nice back garden. That's the front. You... You can literally see your car. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is uh, everything okay? 
you're you're acting a bit strange. Uh, yeah, fine. Um, maybe we should go downstairs. We've got five minutes yet. Wonder how much trouble we could get into him that time. Donna walks towards Dan again, who dodges her once more. What is going on, Dan? Did my dad say something? Nah, 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 he's cool. He's cool. Sound as a pound, you know. Then what is it? Speak now. Dan looks at the floor. I um I found your sex dungeon. I'm okay with it. I accept you and all that. I just need to get used to it. What? Your den of dildos over there. That red glittery one was so big, I thought it was a lava lamp. Donna bursts out <laughs> laughing and nods her head. I didn't know you were into some freaky stuff. Dan, I do love you, Donna, and I ain't one for shying away from stuff. Just promise me you'll stay away from me, bumhole, okay? Dan, listen to me. I don't get the sex dolls, so you'll need to explain that to me. Dan, stop. It's not mine. None of it. it. It's my dad's. Well, your dad's a fucking pervert. Actually, he owns the second largest chain of adult shops on the East Coast. Well, why is he putting it all in your bedroom? I don't stay here often, right? It's all his excess stock. He uses storage all around the house to save paying for a lockup. So you're not into any of that. I'm into you, and that's it. Well, I did used to dry hump Georgie. <laughs> Who's Georgie? Just a care bear I had as a kid. Dan looks over at the closet door. They both laugh. Now, come here, silly. They embrace and kiss. Pancakes are ready! They stop kissing. <sighs> We're not catching a break here, are we? You're telling me? They both start walking towards the door. How's Adam? I mean, I speak to Sam a lot. She's broken over it all. Doesn't know what she's done wrong. How is he? <sighs> the same proper good. He's an absolute mess. I don't think he'll ever get over it. Interior. Camp holidays. Chalet. Night. We cut to the mover, which is on and left unattended. Its hose is moving slowly across the chalet carpet, propelled by the suction sound of the air. In the background, we see the sofa, with a pair of legs high up in the air. The legs come into focus. We see Adam's ass bouncing up and down on a screaming Kirsty. She is scratching at his back, getting louder as Adam yells, the sharp pain as he feels her nails mark his skin. She grabs Adam's ass and squeezes tight, causing Adam to lurch backwards taking Kirsty with him as they both fall off the couch and onto the chalet floor. We hear giggling as we move back to Mover, smiling happily on. Oh, Movers are getting a load of that, aren't they? I know. What is it with the, what is it with the cow-based things witnessing the sexual acts, especially involving Adam? I do have a question to ask about this, and I'm sure our listeners will be thinking the same thing. Because if you remember rightly, in the very first episode, the mascot was Wally the Walrus. Does that mean it was a it was a wolver, a wolverine, a wolver? I, I think you. I think it's just something they've done when they've changed mascots and they've gone moo moo hoo voo hoo moo. 
and they've gone with it. I imagine before it was it was probably not uh, walrus based cleaning products. Maybe something for a maybe you had Wally Wally window wipes or something. You know how crazy this sounds, right? Don't you? Uh, I absolutely we, do. I we wrote this. We we know this, and we wrote it, <laughs> and we also know where movie came from, and yeah. uh, we're still debating the fact that whether there was a Wally the Walrus themed <laughs> blowing or sucking device. Well, and there may have been in Tony's wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. So um, you 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 uh, you did call it out. You did uh, say that Kirsty and Dan is going to get it on. I didn't. I think you alluded to it. No, Kirsty and Adam, not Kirsty. Oh, sorry. Yes, I, I apologize. Sorry. Yes, sorry, I got that would so have been a very different the, thing, wouldn't it? I got, I got so lost. Sorry, I got lost in the dildo den or the sex dungeon of uh, of that. You don't know and, how hard uh, it was. Not the, you, dildo, I not had, the dildo, right, the script. Listeners, I had to go on mute so I didn't ruin Steve's scene. But I was absolutely crying with laughter hearing that. Um, your dad's a fucking pervert. I mean, how quickly that changed in Dan's mind, you know, was just to me incredibly hilarious. So, um, <laughs> I mean, like, like it does, it, it begs a question, right? And that, that is when you meet the parents of someone you're dating or seeing, like, and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to find common ground with them. That's got to be one of the most awkward situations to be in, right? Oh, 100%. It's always, and I mean, we've both been around the block a little bit when we were younger and you've met the potential in-laws and it is one of those moments that you know could define your entire relationship. So it's a scary thing to have to do. And when, you know, it's so lovely when the people are nice, but then there are those people out there that are protective of their their kids and you understand it and it and it's fine but you know i think tony's flexing a bit and and donna's his princess so he's doing what he can to just sort of let, let it be known that he's not going to have anybody messing his girl around interior tony's house living room night donna and dan are sat closely together on the large cream leather sofa They're holding hands and Donna is snuggling into Dan, looking content and happy. They're watching Home Alone on video. Dan takes a sip of his beer and puts it down on the beige carpet without thinking. And Donna notices. Oh, don't put that there. Dad'll go crazy. Dan bends down and picks it up. Donna takes it, puts it on the white side table, slipping a coaster underneath, which says, Triple Extreme. What you uh, what you saw upstairs, best not say anything to my dad. Trust me. Why? What'll happen? Before Donna can answer, Tony walks back into the room with a large whiskey and a fat cigar. I'd uh, I'd offer you another damn, but you're driving in the morning, right? So uh, best not to risk it, eh? Uh, yeah, that, that that's okay. Tony squeezes himself between Donna and Dan, smiling. Donna looks at him, clearly annoyed. Uh, do you want a cup of tea instead? Uh, you got any fizzy orange? Um, we might have some on Bongo. I'll go and check. Donna gets up, leaving Dan and Tony sitting side by side in awkward silence. 
Tony takes the remote and changes the channel to a sports pay-per-view boxing match, which is just starting. You follow? Uh, not really. I've got 50 quid riding on this. My only vice. As he drinks his whiskey and takes a drag. Who do you want to win? Lewis. Hell of a fighter, that guy. Uh, which one's he? Well, the one I put my money on. Donna enters the room with Dan's drink, places it with the beer, and picks up the glass. Be a darling, will ya? Donna takes the glass from her dad and leaves the room once again. Thank you, princess. Another uncomfortable silence. You got a great home, Tony. I know. I work hard for all this. Got my own business. Dan nods his head, and Tony waits expectantly for a response. Donna re-enters again and hands her dad another whiskey. She sits on the opposite end of the couch again and looks bored at the TV. Do we have to watch this? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this all day. Fight the century, this. I'm going to go upstairs then. Donna stands up and stops when she gets to Dan. Are you, uh, you coming? Dan is about to move when Tony slaps him on the leg. Nah, he wants to watch this, don't you, Dan? Dan looks at Donna, then back at Tony's stern look. Um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll stay and watch the game. Donna looks confused. Are you, uh, are you sure? Oh, stop morally coddling the lad. Give him 30 minutes and it'll be all yours. Donna reluctantly walks towards the door. Dan follows her with a longing look and an expression that says, please don't go. They both sit in silence as Tony continues drinking and blowing cigar smoke out of the corner of his mouth. Have you heard uh, Triple Extreme? Uh, yeah, they they always advertise in some of the mags I get. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah. And uh, which mags are they? Uh, nuts, Zoo, Loaded, FHM, Fizz and Jizz, Slippy Nipple, Moist and um, Tales from the Squirt Zone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Moist. It's such a horrible word. If it's not in the contention with the cake, it doesn't feel long. Oh, thanks for that. I haven't laughed like that for a long time. And, uh, and you're going out on my door, you filthy beast. Dan realises what he just said and tries to backtrack. I mean, I, I used to read him. I, I don't know, not anymore. No, not since I started seeing Donna. And what's that supposed to mean? No, nothing, Tony. I was a different guy back then. I've, I've grown up a lot. Tony chuckles. I'm only pulling your plonker. That business you've seen, it's mine. Yeah, I own it. Glad to hear my advertising is getting out there. It bloody costs enough. Oh, you own Triple Extreme. Cool, 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 cool. Built the business up to a chain of six. Got a franchise next. Started out in a van selling German jazz mags. Corner of the market. Branched out into adult entertainment. We've got it all. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Videos from all over the world. That Euro lot. They're into some nasty shit they are. Toys are popular. Plugs. Bondage gear. Rampant rabbits are a good seller with the Wiles wives. We get a lot of businessmen looking for some really kinky shit. I learned very early on, sex sells. <laughs> yeah, my mate Damo used to sell second-hand dildos and a sort of Johnny's down at the Sunday market. Always busy, he was. 
entrepreneurship. Man after my own art, that lad. Yeah, he'd flog anything and everything, my mate Damo. Yeah. Yeah. Let me show you something. You're all right, Tony. I, I might just nip up and say hello to Donna. Tony stands up, a little unsteady on his feet. Nah, nah, just a minute here. Take a look at this. Tell me what you think. Tony leaves. Dan looks mournfully at the door. Tony returns with a large box and sits on the couch. So let me ask you this. What is the problem with sex dolls? Uh, I don't know. I've, I mean, I've, I've never used one before. Plastic. Deflatable ones, even the higher models, they don't even like real. Don't feel good and burst easily. So I've been working on solving this problem for over 10 years researching new materials, better designers, and intensely testing. I've got close to a finished product. Yeah, what do you think? Tony pulls out the bust of a very lifelike sex doll. Its head, neck, shoulders and breasts are all on show, complete with shoulder-length human hair. Dan double-takes when he sees it and looks a little embarrassed. Behold the future. The body is made of this new memory foam material. We've designed a silicone membrane for a more lifelike feel. What do you think? Go on, have a touch. Dan touches the shoulder and nods his head in agreement. Don't be shy. Grab a tits. Here, get a real feel for her. Dan places his hand on one of the breasts. Squeeze it. Go on. Go on, give it a good grope. Dan complies and a man's voice comes out of the doll. Oh, yeah, that feels so good, big boy. Touch my nipple. Dan's hand recoils quickly. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, I've added some senses, you know, just uh, just recorded some phrases. Obviously, later on when we get into production, I'll get real, you know, uh, I'll get a real woman to do it next. Uh, now, touch the other one. Go on. No, no, you're, you're all right, thanks. Nah, don't be silly. Go on. Dan squeezes the other breast. Yeah, give me more. You're my secret stud muffin. <laughs> Clever that, isn't it? Uh, now, put your finger in her mouth. A horrified look appears on Dan's face as Tony grabs his hand and forces his finger into her mouth. The doll emits a muffled gagging sound. See? Trying to make it more realistic. He finally lets go of Dan's hand and he snatches it away. He wipes his finger on his jumper, trying to hide his disgust. Dan then cocks his head and looks intently at the face of the doll. There's, there's something familiar about that face. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, model after my ex-wife. Uh, we were married at the time. Oh, yeah, I see that. There's something else just really familiar, though. Uh, um, I don't know, uh, maybe an actress or something? Uh, Linda was a great-looking girl back in the day. Dan nods while continually scrutinising the face. Then the penny drops. It's Donna! Tony turns to face the door. No one is there. What? It looks exactly like Donna. Now wait just a minute! What are you talking about, you dirty little get? This looks nothing like my princess. I should kick you to the curb for that, or knock you out. 
What is wrong with you? The door flings open and Donna stands in the doorway. Both men turn to face her. What the heck is going on? Dad, why are you shouting? Tony looks back into the face of his daughter and down at the doll behind him, then back to his daughter again. The realisation crosses his face that the doll does indeed look just like Donna. Well? Tony quickly flips the doll upside down so its face is resting on his crotch. Dan grimaces. Tony realises and moves the doll onto the floor, putting his legs on top of it. We were just uh, yelling at the boxing babe, <laughs> you know, getting a bit carried away. It's a good match, full of surprises, eh, uh, hey, Tony? Uh, yeah, yeah, boxing. Uh, Lewis is winning. And uh, look at the shock on his face as he takes one, two to the chest and face. Yeah, he's not the only one. Tony gives him a sharp look and turns back to Donna. We're, uh, we're just bonding, princess. Oh, my favourite two guys getting along. I'm going to go up, all right? Keep the noise down and uh, don't be too long, Dan. I'm right behind you. Donna leaves the room leaving them alone, just staring at the TV. Tony uses his foot to start sliding the doll away from Dan. <sighs> what a fight, eh? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, good one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Best we don't uh, mention this again, yeah? Totally, um, you can trust me, Tony. Tony stares motionless at the TV. I know, mate, I know. So, um, slightly problematic, <laughs> that then. What do we make of uh, of the sex dungeon, the sex empire that uh, that Tony's running? You mean you mean what? What do we make of us for weaving that story that didn't need to be there into this script? I mean, uh, what does that make of us, dude? It makes us very sick puppies, I guess. But um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think um, you know it adds a little something to to the dynamic between the father-in-law and uh, to be, you know, or, or, or potential and, uh, and Dan and just makes it a little bit awkward for him, which is always fun when, when characters get into a, an awkward situation, isn't it? You know, cause we've been there. We've had that situation where you're left alone with, with that, that, that older man whose daughter you're allegedly defiling. So, um, well, I, I think for, for just for the record, I think we have to clearly establish that, well, certainly for me, I've never been in a situation where a prospective father-in-law has ever showed me a particular doll of any kind that they've designed. No, and I, I, I think I, I think I can agree that that hasn't happened to me either. That's definitely a little bit of poetic license taken with on. Yeah, I think a little bit of fiction there, but I, I do think the funniness is when you you know you model it on someone incredibly close, like your wife. You know, when your daughter is very, very young, at some point she's going to grow up and at some point there's going to be a resemblance and the fact that dad never noticed that. Yeah, I think it's it's that horrible realisation and we don't know what Tony has done in his, um, in inverted commas, testing of that doll. And now the realisation... Why, why would you... No, why would you put that in there? Why would you even... Why would you go down that route? Because that's how he made the holes in the thing. Oh, no. Oh, I see what you mean. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> right, move on. <laughs> Moving on. Interior, camp holidays, chalet, night. Kirsty is getting dressed, and Adam is sat on the couch, putting his T-shirt on. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Kirsty begins coiling up the mover. Um, when when can I see you again? Kirsty doesn't say anything. Maybe we can go out for dinner. Kirsty lifts the mover and carries it to the door, still wearing just her bra. Or bowling, a movie, walk along the beach. Uh, Adam, oh, look, it was fun. You're cool, but I'm not really looking for anything. Adam looks crestfallen. Well, oh, wait, what do we, what do we do now? We do nothing. I leave, you go to bed, or finish and tighten up, and we go about our lives. This doesn't have to mean anything, right? What if it means something to me? Robin, Robin walks in and sees them both. Kirsty quickly puts on her top, and Adam stands up. Oh, am I, am I interrupting? No, it's cool. I was just leaving. Everything is fine. Right, Adam? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All good here. Catch you both later. Kirsty picks up Mover and leaves, closing the door behind her. Robin smiles. Well, well, well. I'll leave you for a couple of hours and you're shagging Karen's niece. Uh, whose niece? Oh, I'm, I'm just so glad you took my advice. I mean, I'm proud of you. You've done a decent job cleaning up as well. It doesn't look half bad at all. Adam sits back down on the couch, looking sad. <sighs> Don't do that. The look of Shagger's remorse. I can't help it. She doesn't even want to see me again. And what's wrong with that? You get to sow your wild oats without any expectation. That's a win in my book. She didn't even want to go out on a date. Give it a chance. Have you heard yourself, Adam? This is part of your problem. My problem? My problem. You're right. I'm shit at relationships. I ruin everything. Look, you've just ended a really intense relationship. A few days ago, no less. Stop thinking the next girl is the one. She's not going to be. You had a great time with someone who was up for it. And that's it. For your sake and ours, go out there and have fun. Let your hair down and just embrace being single. Trust me, you'll start to feel better in no time. Robin puts his arms around Adam. Now put your cock away and make me a cup of tea, you dirty bitch. Exterior, Tony's driveway, morning. Dan puts his Midland-branded satchel into the back seat of the Brown Rover Metro. Donna stands on the drive, watching with her arms folded, feeling the cold. Tony appears in the background with a large box and gingerly looks around before placing it into the dustbin, muttering under his breath. I can't believe you have to leave already. I know, I feel like I've hardly seen you. You're the one who decided to stay with my dad and then fall asleep on the couch. Dan shrugs. I've got to get going. I promised Karen I'd be back before nine. This is this is so hard. I don't want to. I don't want to spend New Year's without you. We should be together. Well, um, come come with me then. Tony walks up to them. Uh, well, uh, safe driving then, Dan. I'll see you again soon. 
Uh, yeah, thanks, Tony, and uh, good luck with the uh, the thing. Uh, what thing? Uh, business stuff, Princess. Bye, Dan. Tony quickly shuffles off. Well, what? Are you coming? I can't. Why not? Well, it's, it's against the rules. <laughs> Who's going to know, right? We'll sneak you in the boot, right? You can stay in my room, and we get to see each other in the new year. Together, in private. I'll look after you. Donna weighs this up briefly before smiling. Okay. Yeah? Let, let's do it. You drive around the corner. I'll be 15 minutes getting some stuff together. What, what about your dad? Don't worry about him. I'll handle it. Donna winks. So, we're doing this. Donna runs up to Dan, hugging and kissing him, and she skips off back to the house. End of scene. Well, there were, well, so much has happened. Mm, we've had a busy old, busy old time at camp holidays. We really have. And I didn't realise how um, sexual this, this, this episode was going to be. I think probably the, the biggest one yet that we've ever, we've ever done. I'm not sure why that is. And apologies to anyone that got any offence by anything that we talked about. <laughs> um, I think the, so- the, the 18 inch the dildo was definitely the biggest one we've had on the show. No, I think that I think the greatest line was um, I thought it was a lava lamp. I think was um... <laughs> what's what's more festive than sexy shenanigans and sex dolls that look like your daughter? I don't think anything. It's true, but we are in the future in this episode because although this is the Christmas episode going out just before Christmas, this is indeed based after it's between Christmas and the year. You know that little that, that weird little time. time period. It's, it's it's always the weird time. I'm sure everyone yeah. agrees here. Where yeah. you're in this little place where you're not working, or potentially you might be, but if you if you can help it, you're not. But you feel compelled to drink through the Christmas period and you don't quite know what to do with yourself because it's between two events it's like it's like this black hole of stuff isn't it yeah and it's that weird time isn't it where you're like what day is it what day of the week is it now because you're not your normal routine is not it's not happening so um well if you think about it we're not used to this we don't have any other event which is christmas eve christmas day boxing day then three days, then New Year's Eve, and then New Year's Day. It's just a weird week of, of, of stuff that happens. And only anyone ever remembers Christmas Day and New Year's Eve. It's like the two big events, and you're waiting for these to start. And, you know, maybe maybe that's something that we'll be addressing in, in next week's episode. But before we go, it would be amiss of us not to have a chat about some things more festive before we do. So the strangest Christmas gift... I've ever received was from my grandparents and I was around 15 years old and I was given a jumper from them. And I quite like my jumpers as those that that know me will know. And, but it was a extra, extra large jumper with the word specialize written on it. And it was strangely bubbled and, um, even at that size, it was very misshaped and I couldn't quite understand why it had oil spots all over it and it looked like it hadn't been washed. And it turned out that they gave me my granddad's jumper that he got free from the opticians two years earlier as my 15th uh, Christmas present. That's the strangest gift I've ever had. What about you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
I just, did I just that? Where was the oil come from? What's going on? <laughs> well, my granddad used to uh, tinker with, uh, with, he used to build motorcycles uh, oh, in right. a shed. So it was always covered in oil. But yeah, they decided that year that I deserved a, <laughs> his old jumper that he got free from the opticians with specialized written on it. So that I did, from that point on, I genuinely believed I had very special eyes. <laughs> special eyes. And do you think, what do you think people were? <laughs> Thinking when this fifteen-year-old was wearing a giant man's jumper with special oh, no, eyes. No, I never wore it. I never actually wore it. I, I kind of put it away. Oh, and went, I okay, maybe I'll that. save that for. I will I save that for that. a rainy day. I'll save that. For, I'm, for I'm, you day. do realize I'm going to get one printed up like that now and send it to you. <laughs> special. All right. Eyes. What about you? What about you? Uh, I mean, I've had some pretty weird stuff over the years, and you know, as you get a bit older as a man and you become a father, you end up getting lots of socks and things that like that and you know you'll get like a um a novelty box of jaffa cakes or a toblerone and something and you're like oh yeah cheers thanks yeah um but but weirdest weirdest gift um i've had a few weird ones for um for like secret santas at work somebody gave me a child's drum kit but i was 37 at the time there was no explanation to it. There was no funny story that went around it, but everyone else was opening things and they were getting like uh, key rings or mugs or, or vouchers. And, and then this giant box came in and, and I opened it and yeah, it was like children's drums, but like a full set of drums, but just very, very tiny. And because it's secret. That makes perfect sense to me. I make that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, I don't know. You know, I pr- perhaps they thought there'd be repercussions, but um, I think sorry, I think uh, for anyone that knows you, will will know that you'd like to bang on the bongos. And um... anybody that knows me knows that's definitely the truth. <laughs> 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 so, Mike, I think at this point, as we as we descend into madness, it's probably time to call things to a close, um, and we normally leave with. A quote, um, but before we do that, um, we just wanted to take the opportunity to thank you all for listening to Bad Scripts throughout 2021 um, and for making um, our year um, by, by tuning in. We made this podcast initially really just for ourselves to document our script and to know that in over 23 countries so far, people are listening in and uh, enjoying the content that we're putting out there um we can't thank you enough for that and uh don't worry we're not going anywhere we have a whole new season to go and um just to uh, give you a little heads up we are not finished with the christmas specials although we've advertised there would be three we are also uh, announcing today there will be a new year special next week for you to enjoy the continuation of this story right through to New Year's. So, Mike, have you got any words for our listeners to round off your 2021 and your Christmas uh, message? I don't. The only thing I want to say is to echo your views that Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to our listeners. Merry Christmas to our families. And Steve, my friend of many, many years, Merry Christmas to you. Well, thank you, Mike. And, and you know, the sentiment is returned. Um, I was just wondering, with it being Christmas, whether I could have the last word today. 
You can call it a gift. That is your Christmas present. Thank you. Well, your dad's a fucking pervert. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Have a great Christmas and we'll see you in the new year. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones. A Beach Tide production. 